Oh 
you know, we can gather in this place, but unless the Lord is here, it's just a gathering of people. And um, so we, we do welcome the Lord and His Holy Spirit in this place, and glad that you are here with us this morning, especially if you are a guest. I uh, would love for you to uh, fill out a, a, a little tear out in your bulletin, let us know more about you and who you are and how we can minister to you. Um, but uh, right now, as we have welcomed the Lord in this place, I just ask that uh, you greet one another and welcome each other. Right. 
Father, thank you for letting us be able to come to church and learn about you, about these tithes and offerings further your kingdom. Amen.
ask the children to join me on stage here for a children's sermon. Okay. How are we doing today? It, it's raining. It feels like a Sunday, doesn't it? How about that? Hey, um, look what I have here in my hands. Anybody know what, what these are? What, what are they? Just tell me. Gumballs. Gumballs. Yeah. You want to try them? No, these are, these are not gumballs you eat, right? Or that you chew and blow bubbles with. These are, these are from a sweet gum tree, right? Now, what is, what is the purpose of these? Anybody know? Yeah. To poke people? <laughs> Let's see. Is that what you and your brothers and sisters do with them? No. Not the time not to confess that, right? Um, yeah, one time they were used for discipline. Go out and pick all these things up, right? I did that one time. Um, but yeah, you can, you can step on them, and when they're fresh and green, you know when you step on it. I mean, it's almost like a Lego. And so these... Um, but really, what these are for is, I don't know if you can see, you, these are not real prickly. You can pass them around and look at them if you want to. But there's little holes in there, you see, and that's, that holds seeds. That holds the seeds. Now, you're passing them around, and you're holding it, and you're looking at it. But what if I told you this? What if I said at any minute now, it would just be, I mean, just in a matter of seconds, you're holding that sweet gumball, and all of a sudden, Boom! There would be a 40-foot sweet gum tree coming out of that thing right now. Pow! It wouldn't be safe to hold on to it, would it? Because trees don't grow like that, do they? It takes a long time. All right, if you're done with them, pass them over here. There you go. Yeah, thank you. All right, it takes, it takes a long time. Once the seed goes in the ground... Okay, the seed has to break apart and then, and then it sprouts up and you see a little something coming out of the ground and, and you, see this, you see this little seedling, this little tree coming out of the ground, but over years and years and years, what's in here grows into this nice, big, awesome-looking tree, okay? Same thing happens with acorns and oak trees and, 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 and pine cones. They grow into pine trees and these great big trees, but you know, listen, listen, just like it takes a long time, it takes a long time for this little seed to grow into a great big tree. It's, it's a little bit like that with how we grow as Christians. Now, when Jesus saves us, we automatically become forgiven and, and, and we have that uh, justification. We're made right before God, but it takes a while for us to grow and become more and more like Christ. And it just takes a little while. You know, it also takes a little while, a lot of times, whenever you share Christ with somebody. If you've told somebody about Jesus and they don't know about Jesus, guess what? You might have to tell them again. And you might have to tell them a third time. And you might just keep, keep living the Christian life in front of them and keep sharing Jesus with people. Because sometimes it just takes a while before somebody says, I'm ready. And when we look at these seeds, so look right here at these sweet gumballs again. Remember, it takes a while for this to turn into a big tree. And sometimes, sometimes it takes a while for us to mature in our faith and become more and more like Jesus. Sometimes it takes a while as we share and we pray for people. It takes a while before they're ready to become a Christian. So, we stick with it. We stick with it 
just like these stick on stick in your hair. We stick with it until the work is done. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for who you are. I want to thank you for being consistent in my life, not giving up on me when, well, when, when I just do things that aren't too smart. But Lord, you teach me and you grow me. And it's a long process. But Father, thank you for growing each and every one of us. Continue to work in our hearts today that we may mature as followers of Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Let's stand once again. I love thee, I love thee, I love thee, my Lord. I love thee, my Savior, I love thee, my God. I love thee, I love thee, and that thou dost know. But how much I love thee, my actions will show. I'm happy, oh wondrous account. My joys are immortal, I stand on the mount. I gaze on my treasure and long to be there with Jesus and angels and kindred so dear. Oh Jesus, my Savior, with thee I am blessed. My life and salvation, my joy and my rest. Thy name be my theme and thy love be thy song. Thy grace shall inspire both my heart and my tongue. Oh, who's like my Savior, And he loves me and helps me to sing. I'll praise him, I'll praise him with notes loud and clear. Wild rivers of pleasure my spirit shall cheer. I don't know if you got here this morning and you had a cool drink of water from the water fountain. Um, or if you were able to wash your hands or, or whatever, but you shouldn't take that for granted because uh, yesterday it was found out that we had a pretty significant water leak here at the church. And uh, so, so with that, also, I want to say sometimes, uh, sometimes the Lord just gives you the perfect illustration for, for a sermon. Um, but, but yesterday was a pretty significant water leak and several of the men here at the church, I won't try to call their names because I'll forget somebody. But you look around, the ones that are walking a little slow, maybe rubbing their shoulders, that's who they, that's, that, that's who they were. Uh, they, they were. They repaired the water leak. We're here about seven hours, I guess it was. Uh, and some of the teenagers, too. Um, but it was a perfect picture, really, as we are going to begin in the book of Acts. And we'll be there for the next, we'll be there for the next several weeks or months or however long it takes uh, to get through the book of Acts. And... It was a great picture yesterday of, of the church being the church and coming together and, 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 and working together. And so I appreciate you guys. Um, I appreciate you guys' help and, 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 and taking care of that yesterday. 
And so if you, if you have your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts, we'll be in chapter 1, and Acts is the, uh, <clears throat> comes after Romans in the New Testament, uh, probably about midway through the content of the New Testament. But if, if you have your Bibles, if you will, uh, open up to Acts chapter 1, and if you are able, please stand and uh, honor of the reading of God's Word. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he had given orders through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While he was together with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise. This, he said, is what you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom of Israel at this time? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you bless the reading of it today. Father, give me words as we seek what your scriptures have to say to us, as what you speak to us. Speak now, may we listen. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So as we begin this, as we begin this study in the, through the the book of Acts. It's just an idea. Let's give some background. Who authored Acts and what, what was the setting for the book of Acts? It's not hard. There's not a whole lot of discussion really about who wrote the book. Um, all, all, most all scholars and theologians agree that this was, the, this, this was Luke who wrote the book of Acts. Uh, he's, also, uh, he, he's also the author of the Gospel of Luke. And at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, as well as in the beginning here of Acts, he mentions someone. He mentions Theophilus. He mentions Theophilus. And it's also, like I said, mentioned in Luke chapter 1. And so I just, you can turn there if you want, but I just want to mention a little bit about Luke chapter 1 because he gives us, he gives us a little bit of the purpose behind his writings, both of the Gospel and of this book, which will be our study uh, over, over the next few months. But as you, as you, if you read in Luke chapter 1, uh, he, he says, Many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have just been fulfilled among us, just as the original eyewitnesses and servants of the word handed them down to us. It also seemed good to me, since I have carefully investigated everything from the very, from the very first, to write to you in an orderly sequence, Most Honorable Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things about which you have been instructed. So why, why did Luke write what he wrote? Well, there's, there's several things here. First of all, he said these are historical events. He recorded the Gospel of Luke as history. Everything here about Jesus. We, we, we turn to Luke chapter 2 so often at Christmas time and we read the historical account of his birth. We can see so many of his teachings in Luke and, and his healings and how he went about 
his day-to-day life in ministry. And then certainly, if you've been with us since uh, Good Friday and, and Easter, that's where we, we preach that text from, about the crucifixion and the resurrection. And last week we talked about the road to Emmaus and his appearing to the disciples. And so Luke wrote down these things as a historical account. But not only that, he wrote them in the presence of eyewitnesses. He mentions, hey, it's not just that I wrote these down. It's not just that these things happen. You can go talk to people. And he names people. He names Theophilus. Are you not sure about my credibility? Go talk to Theophilus. Okay? So there are contemporary eyewitnesses. But even at that, Luke, as we, as we find out later in some of Paul's writings, Luke is a doctor. And so he does, he does his own investigation. That's what he says there in, in the beginning of, of the Gospel of Luke. He says, since I have carefully investigated everything. So there's historical events. I've talked to eyewitnesses. I've investigated these things. He's done his own personal research. And now he's written them down. He's written them down so that we can read them later. But why did he do all of this? The Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verse 4, he says this, So that you may know the certainty of the things about which you have been instructed. So that you can know. So that you can know. This is not just something that's made up. There are eyewitnesses to this event. I've done my own research, and I've written down these things as historical. It's true. This is what happened. And so now as we kind of transition from the Gospel of Luke to the book of Acts, it's really, you could almost think of it as one large work divided into two volumes. But be careful, because a lot of times we think that it's, it's the, the ministry of Jesus, and then it's the ministry of the church. Now, now, there may be some truth in that, but what I really like, what I really like is to think of it in this way. That it's not a contrast of Jesus and the church, it's really a contrast of Jesus's Two ministries. In fact, you could say it like this. It's Jesus' ministry on earth, exercised personally and publicly, and was then followed by his ministry from heaven, exercised through his Holy Spirit by his apostles. It's still Jesus' work, and we are still, the church today, we are still, it's Jesus' work, his ministry through us. And that is something that distinguishes the Christian faith, from a lot of faiths in, in, in the world. Because when your founder dies, his ministry is over. But our founder got up from the grave and his ministry continues. So there's a difference there. There's a distinction between Christianity and so many of the other faiths in this world. And so to that end, just a title for this series over the next however long. So the title for this series, A Band of Believers kind of catchy, right? If not, don't tell me. But a band of believers, but it's people who have come together united under the banner of Jesus Christ. A band of believers. And that's what the book of Acts talks about. It's, it's, a, it, it's probably our greatest account of what the New Testament church should be and could be. And so we want to look at that here uh, to this, this morning. Now, what we, we've talked a little bit about Luke and kind of his purpose, but what about, what about the book of Acts specifically? Well, first of all, what we've said is the book of Acts really just kind of picks up where the gospel of Luke left off. There's, there's Jesus' ascension, it's mentioned 
in, in the gospel. His ascension is mentioned here in the first chapter of Acts. And the promise of the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts also tells us about the early church. Who are they? Who, were, who, who made up that early church? How did it begin to function? Especially when their leader, when Jesus Christ is no longer there. What did they do? What kind of things did they do? And we're going to find that out here in the next few weeks. What was so important to them? What was of utmost importance to those first believers? Those who, had, those who were eyewitnesses of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. What was important to them? If it was important to them, there's a good chance it ought to be important to us as well. How did they live? What did they do? And so we're going to investigate some of that. But then, I'm left with, with this question. Maybe you've seen a, a fuller title to the book of Acts. Maybe even in your Bible it says something like, The Acts of the Apostles. Maybe you've heard that, read that somewhere. But I've already said that it's not really just people doing things. This is the ministry of Jesus. He just, from heaven, through the church. So it's, maybe it's, maybe it's the acts of the Holy Spirit. But really, I think that it's, it's both. It's the acts of Jesus through His Holy Spirit, by His apostles, to the ends of the earth. But that's a pretty cumbersome title. So, with, if I just call it the book of Acts, we'll know where we're talking about. <clears throat> so as, as, as we look at this, as, as we look at this, this book, one of the promises that, that Jesus made earlier in his ministry is he said, I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave you, and, and actually, this will be a good thing for you. I'm not going to be here. I'm not going to be around always. And when I leave, it's going to be a good thing for you. And I can't imagine what the disciples were thinking. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Jesus, you know, you remember that time you sent us out and we had to come back to you and say, we couldn't even cast out these demons and you had to teach us. And you remember that time we were in the boat and everybody was terrified except for you? I mean, uh, how are we going to carry out? You, you know, you have looked at us before and said, ye of little faith. How, how are we going to proceed without you? I don't know that's what was going through their minds, but I can just imagine. You're the leader. You remember when Peter chopped off that guy's ear and you picked it up and stuck it back on? Yeah, I'm not sure we can do that kind of thing. And Peter may grab this sword again. I mean, how are we going to go forward without Jesus here on earth? How are we going to do that? But look at what he says in John 16. John 16, 5-7 says, but now I'm going away to him who sent me. And not one of you asked me, where are you going? Yet, because I've spoken these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. Look at this. It is for your benefit that I go away. So that's the truth. It says sorrow has filled their heart, but he's saying it's for your benefit that I go away. So Jesus leaves and this is good. Jesus leaves and this is good. Because what, what's going to happen is kind of a, a spoiler alert here. Uh, the Holy Spirit's going to come and, and, and empower them and they're going to go out in the name of Jesus and, and, and do so many things that, that Jesus did not do while he was on earth. But he's going to work through them while, while they are still on earth. But the, the first thing that we get, especially if you look at the end of 
the, the, the end of Luke, it's a, it's a hurry up and wait kind of thing. I love that. I love that just in my daily life when I, ha- when I hurry to get something accomplished and then I find out, oh, well, now that I'm done, I've got to wait on something else. And so just piddle around. And then when that is accomplished, I've got a next task and I hurry up and I finish that. And, oh, well, I've got to wait. Like maybe at the airport. I feel like that happens a lot. You know, I, I hurry through security and get to the gate and, oh, well, now we've got to wait. And then everybody, everybody runs onto the plane so that I guess you have room in the overhead and so those chairs are just so comfortable on the plane that you have to get there and hurry. And, and then you, you hurry up and you wait. And, and then the guy comes over and says, um, we've had a little bit of a delay, and so we're going to be a few minutes late. But it's like, hurry up and wait. And, uh, you know, I feel like the disciples felt that way, that, okay, everything is accomplished now, but what do we do? And Jesus' words to them at the end of Luke and at the beginning of Acts as well is, hey, stay in the city. Wait a minute, Jesus, we're ready to go. We're ready to conquer the world. I'm telling you, stay in Jerusalem and wait on the Holy Spirit. It's it's not time yet. Just hold on. And then there's the promise. The Holy Spirit is coming. Back into the book of Acts, verses 4 through 5, Jesus has promised. The Holy Spirit is coming. Wait in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit is coming. John baptized with water, but I'm baptizing with the Holy Spirit. He's coming. He's just not here yet. Okay? So, as the disciples maybe take a deep breath, okay, we're going to wait. But Jesus, but Jesus, the real question is, are you finally going to set up the kingdom? Are you finally going to restore Israel? And, and I think they're thinking, game on, we're ready to go, come on, we gotta, we're going to set up the kingdom. You were dead and buried, but you've been resurrected now, and, and all we've got to do is wait on the Holy Spirit to come, and you're going to lead us, and we're going to go forward and set up the kingdom. You're going you're gonna to make Israel great again. Let's go. And then Jesus says, uh, not so fast, not so fast. I can't really tell you when, nor does it really matter. It doesn't really matter. It's not for you to know the time. It's not for you to know the periods. Really, kind of reading between the lines, all you really need to do is be obedient. Haven't I been faithful to you all along? Just be obedient and don't worry about the timing of things. The Father knows when when the time is right. You wait on the Holy Spirit. And then you'll be empowered. Knowing the time is not what's really important here. Now, sometimes when I get ready to leave the house, and it's something, maybe I'm running an errand, or maybe I'm going somewhere, I'll ask the kids, I'll say, hey, anybody want to go with me? And you know what happens? No, you don't raise your hand that quick. Usually what happens is, where are you going? And I feel a little bit like Jesus. Hey, it's not for you to know where I'm going. That's not what's important. What's important is, do you want to go with me? That's what, I'm, that's what I've been trying to teach you all this time. Do you, wanna, do you just want to go with me? Yeah, we might go and get an ice cream. But yeah, we might just go to the dump. Okay? But the question is, do you want to go with me? And Jesus says, 
Asking about the timing of the kingdom is not what's important. What's important is are you going to wait on the Holy Spirit like I've told you? All of this so far is just background information. So we've, we've set the scene a little bit. This is the last few days of Jesus' ministry as he's on earth. He's going to ascend. And the Holy Spirit's going to come down. And we're going we're gonna to read about what the, what the church does through the power of the Holy Spirit. But right before, he, right before we get to the ascension, we have verse 8 that are really Jesus' final words about the kingdom. Jesus' final words about the kingdom. And you can look, at, you, you can look on, on the screen and, and see this verse here, but I'm just going to read it one more time. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What we will find out, I believe this is a theme verse for the entire chapter, for, for the entire book of Acts. What you will find out as you read through Acts, if you maintain this, this verse of Scripture, you will see it unfold as the story through Acts is, is told. You will see this becoming almost like a prophecy. You will see them being witnesses in Jerusalem. You'll see them being witnesses in Judea and Samaria. And you will see them begin to carry the gospel message to the ends of the earth. However... I have to pause for just a minute to say that while this is prophecy, while I believe this is prophecy, as you see it being carried out, we're not done yet. This was not totally complete as Luke wrapped up the book of Acts. We're still here. We still are on a mission. We are still, we're still invited and commanded to take the gospel message to the ends of the earth. We're still commanded to take the gospel to our homes, to, to take it beyond, to take it to the ends of the earth. Now this summer, one of the things that we will do is we'll, we'll, we'll continue with the International Food Fellowship, but one of the things that, that the, the deacons, elders, and I have discussed is we really want to kind of emphasize missions on that night. And so one of the things that you can do, if you're going to bring tacos, that's great. Take about 10 minutes, if you would. And do a little research on evangelism in Mexico. It's really, it's, really a simple, it's really a simple search. And just give us some statistics. What's the, what's the predominant religion? How many, maybe how many uh, missionaries are there? What's the engagement with the people there? And just give us a little bit of information about the country that you're representing there with your food. We want to do that. We want to emphasize missions. But our church loves to go on mission trips and loves to do missions. In fact... One of the things that maybe I'll take responsibility for this, I hadn't mentioned the Annie Armstrong missions offering, the Easter offering. But I will tell you this, guess what? Even though it's after Easter, you can still give to missions. And so if, if it slipped your mind like it slipped my mind, we can still, we can still give to the Annie Armstrong that, for that, that North American mission board. You can still do that. <clears throat> but um, this verse will really be a theme verse for us to carry out the entire book of Acts. But Jesus' last words on the kingdom, his last words on the kingdom, as he talked about what the kingdom would be, there's really three things. Three things here, three, three points, three significant uh, ideas presented in this, 
in this verse about what the kingdom is. First of all, the kingdom is spiritual in nature. It is spiritual in nature. Do you remember last week we talked about the disciples on the road to Emmaus and how they missed Jesus perhaps because they were looking for a different type of Messiah. Maybe a king to set up a great kingdom or some prophet or priest that would restore them spiritually. But ultimately, someone who would establish Israel as it had been before. But Jesus says, I've come to establish a spiritual kingdom. It's a new type of kingdom. And it's not just about Israel. It's about the, the whole world. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the kingdom will be spiritual in nature. So we shouldn't be looking for a political state. Rather, we're looking for, well, we're looking for something that we don't always see with our own eyes, that we don't always touch with our own hands, but it's something that we connect with because, because of our spirit. The kingdom is spiritual in nature. But also, the kingdom is international in its membership. He says, you're going to go everywhere, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. It's international it's in its membership. And it begins at home. It begins at home. He says, stay in Jerusalem until the kingdom, or excuse, stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit has come on you. For us, it begins at home. And I just, I feel like I, I need to share with you some things that look on the horizon for us here in, in Noonan. Many of you are probably aware that this coming Saturday, there's a rally staged in Noonan. And I've done a little bit of research about this rally, though I would never claim to be an expert. But from what I gather, there, there's a rally and there's an, there's, there's an anti-rally. There's a... Uh, the white nationalist rally and then Antifa and, and Black Lives Matter. and What do they stand for? Uh, there, there may be a conglomerate of things that they stand for. I'm not really sure. Why did they choose Noonan? I don't really know. I, I hadn't found anybody that really knows the answer. What can we do about it? What can we do? I, well, first of all, the police force met with a lot of local pastors and they just said, please just, please just stay away from downtown on that Saturday. Just, just avoid that area. It's going to cost Coweta County millions of dollars. Um, stay away from down there. There's going to be barricades. There's going to be uh, I, somebody, I don't have this on authority, said water can cannons, but water barriers, it's a strong... Strong force that will be down there to try to keep peace. Who knows what it will be like, but try to stay away. You can support those businesses, though, before and after. Uh, and they're encouraging people to, to do that. But remember, even if you go out to eat, even if you go out to eat on Saturday, the folks who are at the rally will need to go out to eat somewhere. But avoid that. Stay home. Support those downtown businesses and those churches. And pray. Pray for the people that are participating in the rally. Pray that their hearts are convicted and changed. 
pray for the Methodist church especially. It's right across the street in the Presbyterian church that's right there. Pray for them and the protection of their property. Pray for those businesses that I, I have no idea, this is just me speculating, that may lose. That may, that, that, that may lose business. That may lose some of their property. But even in 2018, it's very clear that we still have a ways to go with some of our relationships with people who aren't just like us, whatever us is. And as Southern Baptists, as Southern Baptists, we, we especially have a little bit of a history. But a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago, the North American Mission Board put together a, a video and it was released at a, at a conference that, that spoke specifically about racial, racial reconciliation. And so I have a copy of the video, but that video, just, just so you'll see what's happening, the video was released at a conference, so the first little scene and the last little scene, you'll see kind of what's taking place at the conference. But, that, but this video speaks well of what Southern Baptists, who we were, who we are, and what, what, or who we could strive to be. Please watch this. Look at the pictures they took. Study the history they made. Try to find something good in the story of our birth. Many people saw the Southern Baptist Convention as being a uh, predominantly a white uh, organization that just broke out from um, the other Baptists uh, because they didn't really want to give up their slaves. And yet these slaves were a part of the household, were a part of the churches. They were there because the slave master didn't leave their slaves at home on the plantation. They took them to church with them. Even though they were slaves and maybe shackled along the wall or sitting, you know, in a, a secluded place. So what are we going to do with that? Are we going to pretend that that's not the truth? Are we going to kind of tr spin the historical facts? And I think we need to be very candid about where our forefathers in the faith failed and failed horrifically. And we need to figure out how we can move forward together in, in repentance and in humility and actually see how God could take that pain and redeem it and use it for His glory. Our history as a part of the Southern Baptist Convention is a history of firsts. Whether they came early or whether they came late, God has used them all to make us who we are. I was approached years ago by our church when we became an autonomous church and some of our older members wanted to get out of the convention because of how the convention started. One of the things I mentioned to them is, folks, all of us have a past. Every last one, I looked at every one of them in the room in the eye. Every last one of us in here have a past. There's nothing in the world we can do about our past. A lot of things we did, we regret. A lot of things we did, we're ashamed of. Can't do anything to change it. However, because of that start, 
one day this convention would have the distinction of being able to testify, look what God has done in this convention. Listen to the stories we've lived to tell. My grandfather was a trailblazer, a man ahead of his time. He was the first African-American to join the Florida Baptist Convention. And what I saw with my grandfather is genuine love. That's all I know of Southern Baptists. Not white people, not Cuban people, not black people. They are people that if you love Jesus and you're trying to spread the gospel, they are with you shoulder to shoulder. Visit the neighborhoods we're called to reach. We didn't set out to plant an African-American church. Um, we set out to plant a church that was for the city that looks like the city. You know, and I really think that that is really the heartbeat behind what we were trying to do. We wanted to really move people from an ethnic missiology to a neighbor missiology. We wanted to reach our neighbors. And so we wanted our church to look like our neighborhood. Then try to find something good in who we are. In a fallen world, wherever you find restoration, it has to be explained by something. And Jesus knew that if his new humanity demonstrated a restoration of relationship, that couldn't be explained in human terms. The only explanation would be himself. So we have to understand that racial reconciliation isn't a program for the church. It, it's an urgent need. Look at the pictures the world takes. As we look around and we see heightened tension, resurgent racism, we have the opportunity as the church to model to the outside world, this is what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. We, we not only love one another, uh, we not only listen to one another, but we carry one another's burdens. Meet the people who make up our family. We can talk a good game, say the politically correct things. I just don't want to spend the rest of my life talking about moving the ball down the field. I really want to get it down there. But it just takes time with these relationships to build the trust. It's, it's really taking time to engage and know a guy and know his family and truly love him in a genuine way. Then try to find something good in who we could be. The more we're pursuing reconciliation here in North America, the more that's going to set the stage for us then to join, lock arms together in unique and meaningful ways for the spread of the gospel far from North America. And so that means we've got to put aside bitterness, unforgiveness, all the, all the things that I can only imagine flow from the years of of history that's not been focused on reconciliation. How can we, with a new start based on the grace and the gospel of God, say, how can we move forward together? Look at the pictures we take now. I think it just glorifies God when we talk about the story of our history from our unbelievable beginnings where slave masters would bring their slaves to church with them and have them chained to the wall to where we are today as the most ethnically diverse Protestant denomination in America is a miracle. Imagine the pictures our children might take. I could be a part of a convention that is inclusive of me and that would not just have me to feel that I'm included and not just put my face that I'm included as that I'm the representative. No, but to, to include me at the table. That's what's different, and that's the reason I'm a part of the convention. Man, we can do far more together than we can do separately. So it's not just a white-black thing. It's a us thing. It's a, it's a Southern Baptist thing. And I think that that's where we've got to go.
That's where we got to go if we're gonna win this kingdom for the Lord. Not forgetting who we were, let's all celebrate who we are and become who we could be. Jesus has said we will be the witnesses, even to the ends of the earth. As you read the book of Revelation, we see that every tongue, tribe, and nation is represented there. Just a couple of things I want to point out about the video. Dr. Fred Luter, former SBC president, he said everybody's got a past. And it does not, it's not helpful to ignore our past, but it is a beautiful picture of what Jesus can do when we recognize our past and see that he changes who we are today. And we look at that and we see reconciliation and restoration. And then Dottie Lewis, who actually is a pastor of a church right here in Atlanta. I don't know if you caught that. Right in the neighborhood where Martin Luther King, uh, where, where his home is or was. And he said, we didn't set out to set up an ethnic church. We set out to, to plant a neighbor church. We wanted our church to reflect the neighborhood. Whatever that means, we wanted it to reflect our neighborhood. And I think that's a great thought. Jesus' last words on the kingdom. He said it will be spiritual in nature. You're going to need the Holy Spirit with you. It's going to be international in its membership. We're going to go everywhere. We pray for all peoples to come and know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And then finally, it's going to be gradual in its expansion. It's not for you to know the times it's not for us to know the times of, of how it would work. The Spirit will work in you. The Spirit will work in you to carry, out, to carry out the gospel. And as He works, a lot of times it just takes time to build those relationships. To build that relationship of trust. And so I, I want to tell you just a small thing that, that I have done. I reached out to a couple of buddies of mine that I grew up with, went to high school with. One of them I played football with. The other one I played in the band with. One of them had a dad who was a little league coach of mine in, in, in baseball. We, we were in the same town. We went to school together. We rode the bus together. We played ball together. We, we played music together. But I just asked him, I said, Look, I just need to ask you, we grew up in the same town and we did all these things together, but I, I just, I need to know, I want to hear from you. Was your experience growing up different than my experience growing up? And all that did was begin a conversation. And that was about two years ago. And we still stay in contact today. And we, and we pray for each other. One of them has just recently moved to Fairburn, so... I mean, just a few weeks ago. So I'm looking forward to going and having lunch with him. But it began to open my eyes and, it began, and we began to see things a little differently. And that's all it takes is just, is just a question and open and honest conversation. And I believe God will bless that. <clears throat> but, yes, we still have work to do in our Jerusalem. And we still have work to do to the ends of the earth. My question for you this morning, in closing, is about this band of believers. 
This band of believers called Northside Baptist Church, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Are you ready? First of all, have you received the Holy Spirit? You don't have to wait anymore. It can be given to you. Have you trusted Jesus Christ with your life? Has the Holy Spirit come on you? But secondly, are you really excited about maybe reaching our neighborhood? You know, Northside is strategically placed here on the north end of Coweta County. And there's a lot of folks that live just 10 minutes drive from here. A lot of folks. And a lot of them are at home this morning. Not in any church. There are more that are at home than are in a church right now. What are we going to do to reach our community? Reach just our neighborhood? And are you in it for the long haul? It's not just about a, a blitz, knock on the doors, and then think that we've done our duty. Are you in it for the long haul? It takes time to knock on a door and then begin a conversation and then be begin to build a relationship and, and, and see trust. Are you in it to see what might happen? Just what the Lord might do through you and through us, through this band of believers called Northside. Let's pray. Fathers, we begin this study in the book of Acts. It, it is so exciting to see how you worked in that first group of people. People, so many of them were just untrained people. Man, so many of them were just fishermen. God, you, you used them in a mighty way because it wasn't about their skills. It was about their obedience and faithfulness as the Holy Spirit worked through them. The kingdom comes to us and then moves through us. And Father, that's my prayer today. First of all, for the person that's here, uh, th th there may be a handful of people here who've never received the Holy Spirit because they've never trusted you with their life. Father, my, I pray right now that the Holy Spirit would convict them uh, and, and that, and that they, would, they would come to know the freedom and the excitement that comes when we give our life over to you. But Father, also, I just for those of us who are part of this church, what, are, what, what do you hold in store for Northside in the coming days and the coming years? How might we join with you on mission and, and as you move us? Father, speak now. And may we respond. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please stand. Come every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy with the Lord. And he will surely give you rest by trusting in his word. Only trust him. Only trust him, only trust him now. He will save you, he will save you, he will save you now. For Jesus shed his precious blood, rich blessings to bestow. Plunge now into the crimson flood, that washes white as snow. Only trust him, only trust him, only trust him now. He will save you, he will save you, 
will save you now. I want to thank you for choosing Northside to worship Jesus this morning. Just a handful of quick things. The Sunday night discipleship group that has been meeting in here, you are welcome to join with Brian Lucas and his group. You're going to be in here, so stay here. They'll, they'll join you. But, uh, but, but we, we got that covered for tonight. There, what's that? For, oh, yeah, for, for the next three weeks, and then we'll basically be in our, our summer schedule. Um, so, and then anybody, anybody who is planning to volunteer for Vacation Bible School, things are set up a little differently this year. And so if a few weeks you say, I didn't know about that, I'm going to say, well, you didn't go to the meeting. But right now, uh, as soon as we're dismissed, there's going to be just a real brief meeting over here on this side of the church. Uh, and so we'd love for you to come and find out what's going on there. And then lastly... There was an email that went out late last night about the from the pastor search committee. Uh, if if you didn't get that, it, it, there's just there's a survey that was mentioned on Easter, so you, you can check that. You can click the survey if you want to, or you can find a committee member out the doors this morning, and they will hand you a paper copy. But you have until the 25th to get those returned. So I think that is all. With that, Paul, would you dismiss us in prayer? Let's pray. Lord, thanks for the privilege of letting us come gather in your house and worship you today. I pray that we could heed the words that you, uh, your words to the early church that you gave us in Acts. Help us to uh, be in tune with your Holy Spirit. And I pray that we could uh, just share you with our neighbors, people in our community, people on mission trips. And it just helps to tell your story to them. Thank you for all, all that you've done with us. In Jesus' name we pray.